Well, Professor Meg Russell is Director of the Constitution Unit at University College London. Hello. Hello. So I think what we need here is a, is a bit of clarity, really, over this, this process and how it works, maybe untainted by, uh, by sort of political background. So what will happen or what is likely to happen? Jeremy Corbyn has said that he will bring a vote of no confidence. We don't know exactly when, uh, but he is the only person who can do that. So what will happen? So, um, well, I think the, the timing could be quite critical, which you were just talking about. Um, Jeremy Corbyn, as the leader of the opposition, undoubtedly has a very central role in having the capacity to get a vote of no confidence onto the parliamentary agenda and voted upon. Um, but I wouldn't go so far um, as Nick Thomas-Simmons in saying that constitutionally he has to be the person invited to form the government um, if the vote of no confidence succeeds. Um, the person who should be invited to form the government is the person who can command the confidence of the House of Commons. And I think, you know, there's a lot of discussions going on at the moment about who that person should be. It seemed to me that it was quite um, quite interesting that Jeremy Corbyn emphasised today that he was prepared to do everything necessary to avoid no deal, mm. which I see that some commentators are actually interpreting as him indicating that maybe he would be prepared to throw his support behind somebody else if that was necessary in order to get um, confidence in an alternative government. Because the key thing is to build a majority. And if, if enough Conservative MPs won't support Jeremy Corbyn, you simply cannot form another government. Mm. And, and that person could be what anybody from any party, backbencher, just any MP who could command the support could could take that role on? Well, potentially, and I'm sure there are lots and lots of talks going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, it's quite a difficult thing for MPs to coordinate, not just within within a single party, but across party lines as to who they might be prepared to support. I mean, what, what we seem to be talking about um, is a very, very short-lived government, um, one which essentially exists just to go and negotiate an extension to Article 50. Mm. Um, so it might be in place for a week, maybe be a fortnight and then it would trigger a general election. So in one sense, who leads the government is not that important uh, because it's not going to be there yeah. for very long. It's not going to be able to take very many policy decisions. But at one, at another level, it's absolutely crucial because for a lot of Conservative MPs, this is symbolically important. You know, you've got to think about these Conservative MPs are potentially moving a very long way. They're thinking of bringing down a Conservative government. You know, they are shifting in a sense to the centre. And I think if this scheme is going to work, Jeremy Corbyn has to be prepared to shift to the centre and support somebody centrist. Otherwise, I think it's probably not going to result in a majority. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've wondered, Meg, when I've looked at this, and, and maybe I've watched too many films, but we talk about putting this, this short-term government in place or something like that. How would we know that it would be short term? What's to stop somebody sort of getting in and thinking, I, I rather like it here. I'm going to do this and this and this. Ah, oh, well, that that's it. That's an easy one actually, because any government needs to maintain the confidence of the House of Commons. And if somebody came in saying, oh, I only want a week or two, and then decided they were going to stay, the House of Commons can simply vote no confidence in them. They can get rid of them very quickly. Jeremy Corbyn, if he removed his support from that person, along with his other Labour MPs, could bring that government down. So I don't think there's anything 
to worry about there. Mm. I think it's worth emphasising that there are other things that MPs may want to do and may attempt to do before we get to this point. And so I said the timing was important. Clearly, Labour want to move quickly on this. But I think that Conservative MPs will want to hear from the government what their strategy is first. Mm. And they may want to do something else before the vote of no confidence, like try and pass legislation to force Boris Johnson himself to seek an extension to the Article yeah. 50 period. So I think we're rushing ahead of ourselves a bit. One of the difficulties is that Parliament isn't sitting at the moment, which is quite bizarre, really, given the level of crisis that we now seem to be in. And there's a lot of MPs calling for Parliament to be recalled in order that we can get on with these discussions, which would seem quite a logical thing to do. Mm. Is it likely to happen? It's not clear because there's a lot of MPs calling for it. It's trending on Twitter today. More than 100 MPs have signed a letter saying that Parliament should be recalled. But actually the power to recall Parliament lies not in the hands of MPs or the Speaker. It lies in the hands of the government, mm. um, which is something that people have complained about over the years and want to see reformed. And I think that this illustrates why that's a problem, because if the government doesn't want to face scrutiny, it can potentially duck. Uh, Professor Meg Russell, thank you so much. Director at the Constitution Unit at University College London. Just thank you. Absolute insight and clarity there, which we need at a time like this.